Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wise Men Say Sun FM Preview Show. With the Mazda 2 1.5 SE Plus for 12590. Eye-catching style inside and out. Welcome along to the Wiseman Son FM preview show. If there are any of you listening, that is, if anybody's got the inclination to listen to us talk about Sunderland in what is the first show we've done since relegation has been confirmed. Hooray is the sound effect that we should have put on the on the keypad. Never mind. Um, myself, Stephen Goldsmith and Gareth Barker are joined by Graham Anderson tonight, former Sunderland reporter for the Sunderland Echo, and still doing your freelance things. Yeah, yeah, you, you haven't really sold me very well there, but uh, <laughs> I can live with that. Anybody who listens to the show knows who you are, Graham. Yeah. He's on link- I, I, you're I, on LinkedIn. I, yeah. <laughs> it's available for work. I, I, had the, I had the honour of 20-odd years of reporting on uh, Sunderland, and uh, so a relegation is nothing new to me. Did you ever come up with your own headlines, or was was it all...? Well, there were some good, some good ones over the years. There was, uh, I remember when Phil, Goodman, uh, Phil Gray and Don Goodman were the Cleverly Brothers. Did you leave it down to the, the subs? It was the subs, always the yeah. subs. Never you. Never uh, make any suggestions? Ian, Ian McCaskill, who's uh, he's actually related to the weatherman, but Ian McCaskill was our chief, chief sub um, there, who was superb. And the Football Echo, they had to think of a headline literally within seconds before it was going out. He was absolutely brilliant at the headlines. Really, really good. We were talking, somebody mentioned we were in our group chat the other day, didn't they? We were talking about... You know, are some of the headlines strong enough in the local paper now and stuff um, to, to in, reflect? In terms of criticism, you mean? Yeah, to reflect our situation. And somebody made a point saying, I remember um, the one Graham Anderson did when we lost 5 1 to Newcastle. Four, Obviously, it was a 4 1, I think. Was it, oh, was it was it a 4 1. Was it 4? I think it was 4 uh, 1. And it said, Send in the clowns or something. Yeah, like. I did, I did, that was the piece I did. The, the derbies, any derby defeat always affect me. If, if you're going to be a, a sports reporter, you've got to be, you've got to keep the supporter in your head, and you've got to be objective. Otherwise, you, you, the players, managers won't respect you if you're just a fan, with the, literally a fan with a typewriter. But you've still got some of them fans stuck in your head. Uh, and the one game that we struggled for objectivity was the uh, was the derbies because, and, and if you remember. How many Sunderland? You know, how many derbies were lost before this fantastic run, uh, and what different types of ways? Uh, I sensed the pain of the fans. I really, it really got to me because because it, it was crushing losing those derbies. Just in the way it was fantastic winning those derbies. That's so, one positive of getting relegated and being in a different division than Newcastle. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Every year that passes that we aren't in the same division as them is an extra year since they beat us last, which yeah, was but, what two thousand and eleven. Yeah, but was those it? those six points are a big miss, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. I don't think that would have saved us the last two seasons, would it? No. Actually, six points would be in with a shout this year, um, which we should have had, really, when you look at the, the games. Should that had, we should have had so 15 we, points. We should have won five games on the bounce there. So really. can we blame Newcastle for getting promoted? It's their fault. We're probably going to talk a lot. We're probably going to talk a lot on the show about whose fault the relegation is, and well, I dare we, say we can't. We what, probably, probably, the, probably, <laughs> probably the the yeah. uh, one one area where we'll be absolved is Newcastle United. It's not their fault. Mm. Mm. Well, actually, no. We, we are going to do that, and we're going to we're going to go back. I think probably to when Steve Brooks was there, and we're going to we're going to go through some of the people who haven't been employed by the club then, and and ask how much um, of this mess is down to those because. 
it's down to lots of people. <laughs> There's too much blame to go around to, to pin it on one person. Ultimately, of course, Ellis Short is is the one you would blame. Um, did you did you make it to the to the Burton game, Graham? No, I didn't, and I'm really glad I didn't. Uh, it was me. Uh, it was my mother's 80th birthday. Um, so I, I, I did the wise option of going for a family celebration of her birthday, even though I was, in, I was, I was invited to the game uh, and I could have gone. But I made the right decision because what a way to get relegated! But in a way, what a Sunderland way to get relegated! You know, I think it's quite symbolic going down to Burton Albion, isn't it? But I'm, I mean, my um, my youngest daughter went to her first game. Actually, she's four. Imagine that the first ever. So she'll be able to see the first ever Sunderland game she went to was. Um, the deal we got relegated. First away, first away game I went to got relegated. Things can only be- Things no, can only get better. Man City was my first away game. There's a bit of the theme here, isn't there? <laughs> lots of first games yeah, yeah. and lots of relegations. Yeah. Well, again, one of the things we might talk about is a, a lad who will be listening. A lad called David Bartell. He's a big. Uh, he's fan of the show, is he? Uh, he's a fan of the oh, show. Oh, he's just a fan of you when he listens. He's when you're he's a fan of me. He's a fan of the show. <laughs> he, does, he does listen to the podcast, um, but he, he and he, he's a sponsor. Uh, he's been in the he's been in the ballrooms. He's a Sunderland through and through. He's a successful businessman. Uh, and, next season. <laughs> <laughs> it could be could, could be a sponsor for you. Could it very well be a sponsor. But he's taking his uh, his young son Thomas and young Thomas is about I think five or six and he's got all the Sunderland kit and he's taking them to this this game this these games this season uh, and he's barely seen a win. You know it's just been heartbreaking and and he feels that there's a lost generation of Sunderland fans coming through here who are going to these games and I've watched young Thomas sort of eyes sort of like you know I mean mm. he was he was outside one of the very very bitterly cold wintry games recently I forget which one it was the one where it's absolutely. Probably Preston. Brassett, yeah, and he was—he had, he had to leave at half time because he was so cold. But Lucky him. He's well, yeah. He, he's a—he's a passionate kid who's—it's going to be a real hard battle to keep these young lads. Success can change that in a kid, I think. Cause it can. I, I, I can remember um, in, in what were the dark days and and uh, were better than what we're seeing now. Unfortunately, when you look back to when people like Mick Buxton were managing, and we were struggling to, you know, in in this division we'd just been relegated from, we were hovering just above the relegation zone. And those were seen as dark days. Yeah. And I can remember because I was a, I was at school at the time and I was a teenager, um, well, sort of ranging from the ages of twelve to sixteen during that period. And I can remember there were kids at my school who were, who loved football but weren't particularly Sunderland fans. Mm-hmm. And that was because we weren't that good. Now, once Peter Reid came, and the wheels started rolling, and we got top of the league, they became Sunderland fans and they start going to the games. That might not happen with adults. But I certainly think with this lost generation thing, I think Hopefully. up until the age of being a young man, I think you, you can be turned. I think yeah, by I, agree, I agree with you. When you when you go back to the books near you, what you had there was, and it's probably the, the most relevant area. What you had there was a period of prolonged mediocrity. That's what it was. It was just going nowhere, doing nothing. You had the occasional Martin Smith or Don Government to hang your hat on for a little bit. But a mediocre side really came in and changed that. But fans had drifted away. Then you had the Newcastle phenomenon with Keegan's entertainment, yeah, which made it, it really yeah. didn't help at all. It made it really, really difficult. But the point is, that, is that prolonged mediocrity can just sap the spirit of, of fans of all ages, and that's what's happened to Sunderland. It isn't just this catastrophic season. It's the three or four that's happened before this season, where you know all you've been at the hang. They tend to be coloured by the the great escapes. But if you, what you've got to remember is. There were only great escapes because four fifths of the season have been so rubbish. You're talking months and months and months of people watching a team which doesn't win or doesn't play well or doesn't even. I mean, last year was incredible, and some of the stats that were set about the team not even getting ahead in the game for so long, never even leading. The fans weren't even enjoy a lead. So we've got that same period now of a really, really, really bad run. 
And I think the only thing that's going to turn it is is if we do see a bit of a revolution at the club in, in terms of change throughout. I mean, you look at that that record over the <clears throat> over the ten years that's been discussed uh, recently, um, and I think it'll probably only be sixty six or sixty seven games now that w- that we'd have won um, in that time period in there. You when, go, when you, you, when you, you go talk through about the stats. Every 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 you know we over the last ten years we've won. 35 fewer games than, than any other team in the 92 who've been in the 92 I believe yeah that, you, you, you go through time, the stats so. and the records and no fans no fans in the country have had to endure anything like what Sunderland have if you go on there's a, there's a website where you can analyse ev- every team that's played in the Premier League you look at the teams with a, you look at the, look at the search for the team with who's conceded the most goals in the Premier League and who's got the worst record in terms of, of, of points gained compared to points lost Sunderland are miles out in front out of Every single team has been in the Premier League. It just means that those fans have watched less goals, seen more goals conceded, seen more defeats than any other fans. And, so then, you live, well, and actually, then you're living it week to week as well. So you, you know, it's all right looking at stats and looking from the outside in, but you're living, you're, you're getting up, you're going to meet your mates, you're doing whatever you do, and you're going to watch a game of football for ninety minutes, and you're coming away unhappy, <laughs> and it's you know, just chipping away at your happiness <laughs> over the course of five or six the, years, the funny thing day about, by day, week by week. The funny thing about Saturday. The funny, funny. Thing, the funny thing about Saturday was that we'd, until that point, we hadn't lost a game all season in which we'd taken the lead, which is amazing, considering we're bottom of the league. I mean, there's two. I guess we are bottom of the league because we keep losing the lead. Um, I think we dropped the most points from winning positions in the league. Um, you know, we, there's, there's. I mean, we'd also scored the most equalisers in the league. Um, as well, I mean, some bizarre statistics, really, um, because people talk about. I'm not. I do believe that we're weak when we go behind, and we haven't got the mental capacity and strength to deal with it. But we still had the. We still scored the most, and I don't know if that's because we concede so many goals that you know that it, it, it offsets it. But at the same time, it just goes to show how if they just had a little bit more in, you know, in in the heart or in the squad. In, in in actual, you know, available players a bit more quality, and and all that goes down to it goes back to the summer, and it goes back to, you know, a ham-fisted attempt at trying to, trying to do the championship, which is they've gone into it arrogantly and decided that well we'll just do this and we'll be fine because we're Sunderland, and that is not what happened. Um, they they've they've completely, you know. Misunderstood the task, and failed in the summer. Failed in 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 January, and now we you know we're literally have had the worst season in, in our history in 138 years. Um, and <clears throat> I mean I don't really think you can say a lot more than that. I mean, you know John O'Shea got the the Player of the the Year award last night. He I'm almost looked, he, almost, he almost looked he almost looked. Sheepish to to receive. Were you it. surprised to give one out? Well, you um, have to. You have to give. Do you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, to supporters association <laughs> player of the year, it wasn't the club. I'd give it to Paddy McNair. I'm not even joking. <laughs> he's the only person who showed a bit of quality this season, and he's only played about ten games. I think that that I mean, Honeyman could have, could have won that award, couldn't he? But I think you know, or she actually said something that we've said where he's, that it's a it's a indictment of the situation. That he has played as much as he has this season. Did he say that? Because he he's yeah. said that. So he's come out and said that. It shows where we are that he's played so much, and the fact that he's been he played at Christmas. He was playing four games in nine days. 
37, 38-year-old. It's, cra- it's crazy, but then I, I know sort of that some fans really have it in for John O'Shea, and uh, that's not for me to say whether they're right or wrong, but personally I think that... Uh, it's not his fault, particularly. No. You know, no, they've had to, to lean on him, and he's brought. And, 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 and knowing him off the field, he's he's been a, a really good captain, and been very professional, and he's looked after. He's, he's had that Man United ethos of looking after the other players and trying to. So he's sometimes you have a captain who doesn't deserve to be captain, but he has been a captain off the field for, for certain. Um, so he's got high standards. Um, but I think what he's trying to acknowledge was you wouldn't expect a thirty-six-year-old, sorry, to be playing thirty-eight. Games a season, and that's well, because that's because forty-five games a season. I think the stats are he's, he's thirty-six. He's played thirty-eight games. Has he? I think in all stats. competitions. I'm not certain, but but the point the point is basically is, is, them for very long, the, the, the point is though it's it's just way too many games for a guy who's <laughs> in all competitions. Yeah. yeah, way too many games <laughs> for a guy. Two extra games. <laughs> but it's a, it's a sign when you, when you see you've got Corne for example, um, and all that the baggage that comes with him. It's a sign of uh, of. Coleman having to try and pick players he feels he can rely on. And it, be, I mean, to be fair to to, to Corney and you know, Coleman's never questioned his, you know, a desire to be to make himself available to play. I mean, I don't think he, you know he, he had a couple of bad injuries this season, um, and he's not he's not been great on the pitch. And, and sometimes, I mean, I think he just looks bamboozled. I think he's probably you know saying said the other week he must be standing there looking around. Think I could have been at Everton eighteen months ago, and I'm not saying I'm not saying that's acceptable. I think you thought that a lot. As a, as a like as a human being, he must be thinking, how have I ended up? You know, I was at the peak of my powers. I'd had a great six months, and you know, bait. You know, the the you know the attitudes towards that situation was disgraceful from him. Um, Looking back now, though, it was a mistake not to sell him. Wasn't it was, it? but we, you know, I don't think anybody, to be fair, would would. You know, everyone at the time was saying we should be strong, and it was nice. Say, and we, you and say we were. That, but then, if, if if none of that money was going to go back to be reinvested yeah. in the team, then you might as well yeah. keep it. We might as well have kept Jordan Pickford last season. We might as well have because Ellis Ellis Short we, would Ellis Short would beg to differ. No, we, yeah, exactly. But as a fan, from a fan's perspective, oh, good grief! You know, he, he well, Jordan, we probably would have stayed up. Well, Jordan, no, we definitely would have stayed up. If Jordan, we had Jordan would have stayed as well. Jordan has never wanted to go, and uh, I hear tales that even now, you know, he'd. Uh, He'd rather be at Sunderland than at Everton. So, and, and to me, that's that. Come back if you want. What to me, that's that's yeah, that's, play that's a centre half. You don't want to use the word tragedy too much. To me, that's, to me that I, I, my heart aches over. I would say Jordan Henderson and Jordan Pickford, two Sunderland lads who all I've ever wanted to play do is play for Sunderland. They wake up in the morning, what team do they want to play for? They always want to play for Sunderland. And I just sort of think you're you're you're, you're squandering these opportunities to build teams around players like this. You know. I think it was always going to be difficult to. To achieve that, always, this year, always, well, he's going to be England's keeper in the World Cup, isn't he? He's going to be Possibly, the number. Yeah. He, he is yeah. going to be the number. It's, it's so the way Southgate likes to play. He'll, yeah, I'll, I'll put my mortgage on that. It's he's always, gonna, it's gonna always going to be Cup. difficult to hang on to players of, of that quality, and, and you don't want to stand in their way. But I would argue that if Sunderland were a top ten side, you'd be able to hold on to those players oh, for yeah. a season or two longer, which would be enough to attract players to help you to improve. Definitely. Well, I mean, you know, if we're going to go back over. Things generally, this I mean, we can start this season in in November, I think it was. Which um, Sunderland had started when um, uh, Ellis Shaw came out and did a seven minute video on the official Sunderland website stating that you know a bad season for Sunderland is 12th in the Premier League. <laughs> so, God God knows what this season is in his, in his mind. If, he, if he's he said he was watching, if he is watching, um, because the you know, for Chris Coleman to come out a day. And made the comment that he made, where he said, "We're we are floating aimlessly in the dark." 
that's the manager of the football club has come out and said that, and he doesn't. Know, he said it's 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 worrying and depressing. You know, when go when, I mean, do you want to talk about the the situation this week and, and what's come out this week? Do you want to do that now and with Martin Bain and the quotes that have come out this week? Mm-hmm. I was going to start back and then work work up to Bain. Well, mate, you should, well, have, you should have had this structure worked out long before you. you well, how well do you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's true. Yeah. Well, it's um, <laughs> life imitating art, isn't it? Or, art life imitating the life. club. Yeah, exactly. Um, Fine. We, we have like got no improvised stru- chat. Yeah, or, got or no as much improvised as possible. Yeah, we don't know what we're doing. Um, but I mean, we can come on to the, the the ills of the past because I mean, some arguments have seen this week. You said, well, you know, he's he's carrying the can for past mistakes. Well, the, 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 what, Okay, we'll is start that, with Bain and, and, and then I'll go back over. What I want, well, has, yeah. <laughs> what, what my opinion on that would be, there would be some level of sympathy towards Martin Bain. It would be dependent on, for example, we've just referenced the Jordan Pickford money there. So when we get thirty million quid for Jordan Pickford, we get two million quid for Vito Manone. For me, has Martin Bain been tasked with reducing the debt, and he's made the decision to not reinvest that? No. Or, or as he as he been told, without doubt, you're not getting that back. It would yeah. a lot of that would depend I, on how. On I don't how hold that is. I don't hold Martin Bain responsible for not having the. Um, but we that, don't that, know if that was his remit or not. We don't. I, he he could have made well, that. Decision I might know a bit more. And, and, oh, okay. I, I I don't hold Martin Bain responsible for the lack of investment of the Pickford money because I don't believe that was his choice. You know, I think that uh, Ellis Short runs the club. And he, he, if Ellis was standing here, he'd be saying, "I pay about three million pounds a month to keep the club going." You know, thirty odd million pounds. Well, a you year. should have made better decisions in the past than you would well, be. Well, don't argue with me. I'm not Ellis. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying. That would be my argument. Devil's, back devil's advocate. He would argue. Look, I, I am paying millions of pounds a month out just to keep this club ticking over, and I would like some of it back to help me out. Yeah. So I don't think it was Martin Bain's decision not not to invest the money. I don't think he had that that uh, that yeah. that. Luxury, really. So I don't hold him responsible for that. Yeah. But I would argue he might have said, "Okay, Ellis, having trousered the money for Jordan, uh, it would be wise to keep Vito Manoni, who's not a bad substitute for Jordan, who's performed well for us and wants to stay because Vito was very happy to stay. Vito right, wasn't. We've had conflicting reports on that. So you understand he wanted to stay. I know that. Right. Okay. I know that. Okay. So, so Vito was. More than happy to that stay. That makes things worse, but I'm yeah. glad you've, you've said v- it. Yeah. Vito was more than happy to stay, um, but he could go, uh, and he could have had a couple of million for him, so they decided that it went down that route. And I would argue that that has been one of the key... Well, it's going to go down to folklore, that. Yeah. We, 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 people will be talking about this in 20 years' time, 30 years' time, the way like my dad talks to me about Lord McMenemy and some of the things mm-hmm. that went on Correct. there. I, I'm going to be doing the same to, to my grown-up kids in, well, in 20 years' time and telling them about... The decision to sell your goalkeeper, who now it transpires was happy anyway, mm-hmm. to sell him for two million quid, so you can reinvest quarter of that on the worst keeper we've probably ever seen in our history here. Well, I don't Lee think... Camp was there on a three transfer, wasn't he? Or a... Yeah, well, the, the, the <laughs> three or, or on loan, I can't even remember. The three, the three keepers. I, you could argue one is slightly better than the other, but uh, but there's not much in it. You know, Jury's right, still out and writer for me. I not think. for me. I'm no. coming back in guilty. <laughs> he can go as well. I, I would I would hope that none of the three keepers who are at the club now are in the club next season. I mean, I know sort of like it'll be a done deal in terms of getting rid of one or two. But well, if Steele goes, 
we're going to have to take a loss on them. Yeah, so so th- this is already, you know, because you've got to remember Martin Bain was shouting from the rooftops when he sold Patrick Van Arnold because we paid like, what, four million quid or something for him. We sold him for 14 or whatever it was. Those figures might be slightly out. But saying this is the model we need to achieve to, to bring players in and to sell them at a profit and to run. Now, that's fair enough. And he's right to say that. But he also shouted from the rooftops with Vito Manone. But under his watch as well, we're going to have paid 30 million quid for Didier and Dong, which we're not going to get back, on a lesser scale. I mean, that's incredible. Though. Yeah, on, on a lesser scale. I think it's not, don't think it's as incredible as spending 8 million quid on Papi Gillibodji. That's right. incredible. Though. Exactly. And, and so those are the Premier League. That's the Premier League scale. Championship scale is still significant. £500,000 on Jason Steele. There's three players we've just mentioned under the same period of time when Bain was saying how, how good that Van Arnold and Manone decisions were, where we're going to make massive losses. Can we also state players. that we spent £500,000 on James Vaughan, who left for £350,000 five months later? It's a Sunderland way. So we've, our net spend but I think is, our he's, he's made a rod for his own back by, net, by, by, net spend, by net, referencing it, hasn't he, and saying, agree. this can't go on, and it has gone on. Yeah. Our net spend could well end up being, and this is speculation, but we'll see in the next ten days, and... I'm sure I'd, I'd like to think that I can't. I can't see how it won't be. But the likelihood is our net spend of say 900 grand. I know mm-hmm. people say, "Yeah, but it's just it's wages as well." Whatever, 900 grand outlay on players could well be less than Martin Bain's salary, yearly salary at Sunderland. It could happen. That could be because that's how much chief executives get paid, don't they? Seven, eight hundred thousand pound a year. Mm-hmm. I think if that if that comes out and that is the case, I think you'll get. I think there'll be a lot of very, very angry people because they, they still see Martin Bain as the man who has come in. He's already destroyed one one of the biggest football clubs in the world, who technically don't exist anymore. He was involved in the destruction of that club because obviously they've got you know they've got Allegedly. a different name now. Well, no, but he, but he was involved at the period that they yeah, yeah, collapsed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they got relegated so hard that they didn't exist anymore. I mean, in he two did, years, he, he's, he's remit was to asset strip there, wasn't it? And we've had two. And now we've had We're talking two, about Glasgow Rangers, yeah. yeah. And now we've had two relegations on the bounce. I mean, he's had more relegations than Nigel Quasi, which Martin, is, you know, <laughs> you know Martin, what I mean? It's absolutely ridiculous. Martin talks a good it's game. Where plucked that name from? Martin, Martin talks a good game, and if you're in the same room as him, he's he's very plausible, comes across very well. Uh, and if, in, as, for a chief executive, that's the kind of corporate look you'd be comfortable with Chris Coleman a piece of like him as well we'll point out well what's he saying well, to him and what's he saying to other people that's what I would well, say but, but, we don't know do we but with Martin you've got to look at various things where you know sort of which would across his desk like the, like the redundancies of some really top quality staff and I'd, I think maybe the, the wide public don't see some of the people who they lost uh, when they that had that call are very hard to replace um, their experience and their abilities. And I, I, I see that reflected across the business community. I see it reflected across the fan base and their interactions. And what did that achieve? Arguably very little. When you look at, say, the amount of money a Rodwell is on or, or some of the money that's being squandered, to, it's minuscule what in terms of the cost in terms of the staff and yet they've lost people it's really knocked the heart out of the club uh, and has harmed them. And then you look at, say, things like that, that trip to New York um, that he must have uh, signed off that way. I mean, to be fair, that to be fair, that didn't uh, not go back over all ground too much. But to be fair, that didn't bother me at all, particularly yeah, because it yeah, was, yeah, well, it's, uh, it's a football club and they had the reasons for. Doing I know, that. I know. It didn't. It, it, it's, it's always it's always a risk when you go off on what what might be perceived as a jolly by the fans if you don't come back and then start winning games afterwards. And of course, they didn't. But when you consider how much that that would have cost and other other things that Sunderland have uh, have paid out money on. Uh, 
at the expense of, of some of the staff, you kind of you have to question that side of things. And Martin would have to take responsibility for that. And he has to carry the can an awful lot now. And there's a, if in all the reason that he's paid enough. Uh, and I think, the f- I just think the first, uh, uh, it was a pinned tweet for a while, which is that when you find yourself in a hole, the f- you know, the first thing you gotta do is try and stand up rather than keep your head down, you know, mixing my metaphors a little bit. <laughs> but I just sort of think it starts off by taking responsibility. Even if you don't think it's entirely your fault, don't start putting out how it's not your fault, you know, because that's divisive. Start saying, right, well, I've got to take a share of this blame as well. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's if, if Martin. And Chris Corbin's done that. Exactly. Mm. And that does him a great deal of credit, a great deal of credit. And that's what Martin has to do. And there's a phrase which I think in all my years in football was never true, which is that. Uh, I'm going to get this right. Uh, success has many fathers, but failure is an orphan. And it's it's never truer than football. Something good happens in football, and everyone from the, the manager, the player, the coach, the, ch- the chief executive, the, the owner, they're all there to claim it. Something goes wrong, it takes a lot more courage to say, well, I've... I've had an involvement in that, and, 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 and there right. are so many people. I mean, we'll, we'll do, I think we'll do a break, Gareth, and we'll come back because I'm going to go. We're going to go back to the future. Well, I haven't finished talking about Martin. Like, haven't what seemed finished like, talking about Martin. Well, we're we're, we're going to finish on him because <laughs> we, we, we're going to do the timeline. Um, we're going to go back to what seemed like the Alison days, really. Uh, well, Mid table, yeah, yeah, exactly that. The fourth one. Wise Men Say, Sun FM Preview Show. With Jennings Kia. With the Sportage 1 1.6 GDI for 17495 A strikingly sporty SUV I was, made um, to wow. thinking today uh, about whether to save this for the last week where we're going to go back and say where did things start to go wrong. There's blame to be portioned around uh, by lots of people. So I just wanted to... Unfortunately, drag some some of the past up. Well, we'll speak about that. We'll stick to playing matters as well. I can't be bothered for the for the legal stuff and and Margaret <laughs> Byrne and all that. Um. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last twenty five years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. But then I thought, well, you know, actually, this is our second from last show of the season um, because uh, we aren't doing it on Monday. Wiseman say we'll still have a show on Monday, but... Um, Frankie Francis is going to host that one for <clears> us and, and put that out. Uh, we had a live show on Monday gone, so next Thursday will be our last show. This will be our penultimate one, and we we probably do something else for the last ever show anyway, won't we? Yeah, last ever, well, last ever, last no, of the season. Yeah, yeah, we'll be back next year. Yeah, don't we? We will, we will in some form. Um, right, 
our listeners will know that we've gone back to this exact moment in time a lot. What was the high point of Sunderland's last 13 years? 10th place finish in the Premier League, yeah? 10th Cup place finish, 7th twice. No, no, in the last, in this latest Premier League stint. All right. Not going as far back as Reid. Right, okay. God, we'll be here on like Graham. Paul Strummerville. Yeah, Paul yeah, Strummerville. The, the, so. the, the game where they finished 10th on the last day of the season. Right, so, there you go. Are you talking about the league? Because so, obviously from that point, Although, actually, I actually found it was probably written by you. I've just been moving house now. In the attic, I found some. Um, I found an old Sunderland echo. I mean, a lot it, of attics. And, and it was um, it was before that last game of the season, and I think I think you wrote the piece, and it was saying Steve Bruce just reflect on how this was the worst spell of his managerial career, mm-hmm. and that even if by some miracle all the results aligned and Sunderland managed to finish tenth, it would still be a bad season. Now that did happen. Yeah. Because we weren't expected to finish 10th at all. What did we start 15th? Was yeah, like, we, we, 14th, I think. This, this yeah, and, and we finished 10th. Yeah, now, um, ironically, he looks back at that now and, and, and you know holds it as high as he can. But I've actually got proof. <laughs> well, I've got the paper that's proof where he said that was the toughest spell of his career because we were losing every week. What did we? I say about success and failure? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, Sunderland won uh, won that game, beat West Ham, didn't we? 3 now. Um, good Som- deal. Som- good deal. And then Newcastle we, we, chucked it in, we finished. We Som- and Choi, I think, mm, scored a hat trick. So we finished tenth. <coughs> that transfer window followed <coughs> on from that is undoubtedly where this started. Jordan Henderson was sold and went to Liverpool, but on a lower on a lower scale than that, and things that didn't went a little bit under the radar was his decision to allow Steve Malbronk to leave, who then went on and played European football for another two or three years afterwards. And he allowed Bolo Zenden to leave. These were players who had contributed significantly. Now, we were unlucky in some cases. Danny Welbeck was on loan. He went back um, to Manchester United. You know, we weren't realistically going to sign him. But Steve Bruce then, re- fascinatingly, when he let Zenden go, he said it was because I, I can only really see Bolo in a three man midfield and I want to play 4 4 2. And I, he would disagree, but I don't think. He can play in that system. He brought Craig Gardner in, who could not play in a two-man centre midfield. But that's who we bought. So that shows a little bit about the, you know, the the lack of research going into some of the signings. So in that said, that was when the two guys from Manu came: John O'Shea, Wes Brown, Craig Gardner, Seb Larson. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, Seb Larson. That was his first season. That as well. was Steve Bruce had done well in the transfer window before mm-hmm. that. And wherever Steve Bruce goes, whatever you say about him. He always seems to put a good team together. Yeah. He knows his way around the transfer market and he knows how to get established and, com- and and popular players into that side. But he got it wrong that year and that was the start of it. I'm not. People may think I'm desperate in trying to pin some blame on him here. No, I, I think, I'm, I'm I think, not, but I think, that, I think that you... was where it started. I remember we lost, after the transfer window closed, Jan went... Yeah, to, uh, to, and we to, lost Bent just before. Yeah, I was very, I was very, I was very was. close with uh, Steve Bruce, and uh, I saw a lot of the good things that he did. Um, and I think he was a bit unlucky with circumstances with Darren Bent. Darren Bent was greedy and wanted more money. I think if Bruce he had had a choice, he'd have given him it, wouldn't he? He would have, said, he would have stuffed his mouth with gold and say, "There's some more extra money, stay." But I think that uh, coming at a point that had come at a point there where Niall was under pressure. Of course, Ellis Shaw was saying, "Well, where's you know this is this is a money pit. This thing, I'm just putting money in, I'm not getting much back." And so I think now I was wanting to show Ellis a return on his money. Mm. So, and Bent was a, a quick hit for that sort of side of things. And also, I think there was a desire. I think there was a recognition that and it started under Roy Keane. The wages and the transfers had kind of got out of hand. It would, and it really kind of needed 
rein in a little bit, and I think that Brucey was a bit unlucky in the sense that because you, you, you make some good points about Craig Gardner and so on and so forth, but I think it was not stuff that Bruce. I liked w- Craig Gardner, by yeah, the way. Yeah, just what he he, it's, he it's wasn't not, a centre midfielder for a four four two. It's not something that Bruce wasn't aware of at the time that he was just trying. I think he, he, he went down that road of realizing he wasn't shopping in, at, at the top stores anymore. Harrods is what he said, wasn't it? Yeah, he used he wasn't, that term. He wasn't me. shopping at the top. Uh, he wasn't shopping at the top stores anymore. He was kind of so he was trying to get the best of the Topped rest. Down to and it, it was a struggle that season, I know. Well, and, and, and so he's having to take punts. He's having to take. I, I punts don't know. I think he was more. trying. I think he, I think he was trying to play play a bit of money ball. I think he was going well. We're not scoring goals from midfield. I'll bring in Craig Gardner. We need somebody who can take set pieces. Seb Larson's available on a free. I feel, I feel as though he was trying to, to be there fair. Like, there was logic behind There was there logic. Was, yeah. and, and, the, and the thing is, is, is that it happened with the same with Reed. When you start getting into sort of like punts, you have to be lucky. And it just takes a few unlucky punts and you're in trouble. But we're wrong to go about that far to a certain extent. What I'd say is, we, is we'll be here all night if we go from Bruce onwards. But if this is an Agatha Christie play and the dead body was Sunderland Football Club. <laughs> you know, it'd be a cast of thousands in terms of the suspects. Uh, it'd be a bullet-riddled body because there's, there's yeah. so many things have gone wrong and have been allowed to go wrong. Yeah, I'm going to contribute. I'm going to quit Martin or Martin O'Neill just because we haven't got time. Some Blake got things some some things wrong, but generally was was okay. For, no, I disagree. I disagree. Okay. I, I mean, I mean, so, yeah, I do. I mean, I, I mean, my my two biggest disappointments. Oh, I'm good. He didn't do are, better. Are Martin O'Neill and David Moyes as managers because I was I was delighted when both joined, given the track records. But I think sometimes what happens with managers. And it might be the case with both Martin O'Neill and David Moyes. They built their reputations on building top teams, often from nothing. You know, sort of both of them had that pedigree. And then they went to Man United and they went to Aston Villa, where the checkbook was huge, and you could buy success. And that's one of things that gets into a, a manager's blood. I mean, sort of like when um, when Moyes bought Jilabodji, I think you said it was something like, "Well, can you get for eight million these days?" Well, it's something you get an awful lot. And I remember uh, Martin O'Neill saying the same thing to me about it, saying, "What can you get for ten million these yeah, days?" Yeah. And, and I think sort of, I think we were just unlucky to get them at a time where they just thought, "Right, we'll write a few checks, big checks at El from Ellis." You know, uh, Martin had had a, a, a big American investor at Aston Villa. I think he thought he was going to get the same thing at, uh, and maybe and maybe Ellis Short's to blame for leading them to believe that that was going to happen. I can understand that, and, and yes, he takes... So I just think, with all the blame to go around, he wouldn't take anywhere near as much as, as, as others would. I, I, when I first started, he was the first Sunderland manager I had interviewed Martin O'Neill, and it was towards the end of his era, and you could see when he was speaking to him, he wasn't enjoying himself. No. And, and he, he didn't want to be here. You know, that was clear. That would, that would come across. But we've had enough time to rectify it since then, so that, that's why I'm kind of I'm okay. giving him a little bit of a pass, and it, it takes us on to Defanti and and Decani or the yes, well uh, this, this, the this, next pair. That these came in. these things all link in for me though, because the the kind of the oh elephant, yeah, there's one the, constant the elephant in the room, <laughs> the elephant in the room, and all this is the money is going up, the investment yeah, yeah. is going up, the money being spent on transfer fees is going up, the money being spent on wages is going up. There's one and constant, it, all and, right, yeah, and it's not that difficult, not like this different from if you spend. Enough money, you're going to end up, you know, having none left and being in hock and interest rates and all that sort of stuff. You, it, it, that's where Sunderland went over those years. Short would say I invested a colossal amount, and it wasn't my fault. It was his fault for a lot of things, but his managers didn't really help him. Yeah, but the thing is, you know, I think the analogy for that, he, you know, he's wrapped his Ferrari having a lamppost, and now he's complaining that he's got to get the damage repaired. And I think, I think, hey, there's, there's some great, there's some great analogies coming in I think that's that's where we are. Language is flown tonight. You know, it's it's you know, first world problems to somebody who's you know, it, the story we've been told, you know, it openly as well. It wasn't an off the record story. Um, 
was basically that uh, from an ex-player this was who when when um, Ellis Short had basically bragged that he's got more money than Roman Abramovich so you look at what Roman Abramovich has done at Chelsea you look at what Ellis Short's done at Sunderland and it's not about the money it's about how much somebody wants to not, spend now I'm, I'm not now I'm not saying that by the way I completely agree that we need to cut our cloth accordingly and all that sort of thing that's fine I get that we need to contr- we need to try and live within our means and control the wage bill however you can't go from just like you can't just cut off the, the life extremes, support it's been been you know hot and cold you can't do it like you can't do what you know to this season is a con it's a consequence what's happened this season is a consequence of um Ellis Short kind of just kind of washing his hands of it because not because he can't afford it, just because he doesn't want to anymore. And it's it's almost like a conscious decision that he's not going to invest in in the club anymore. Everybody who is coming out Martin Bain's kind of skirting around it a little bit, kind of going, Well, you know, we'll have to have a conversation, blah blah blah. Chris Coleman's coming out and basically just throwing Ella Short under the bus. Um, you know, and I, I respect what Ella Short's done in the past, but I don't respect him for what he's done this year because he's he's destroyed the football club. If we if we if we le- we can't we can't level out in we can level out in the championship. We could level out and rebuild. We can't level out in League One. We can't well, because we're too with the overheads and the club itself is so massive that it cannot level out in League I, One. No, they they, 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 they have it, to go straight back I, up, otherwise they're in serious trouble. I take your point, but the point you, you could go the other way and uh, I'll come back again. to you, Defantly. We've gone off. We've yeah, gone so off we haven't, forgot, we haven't, forgot, we haven't yeah, forgotten yeah, yeah. you, Roberto, <laughs> much as all you'd like. Uh, no, which is one of Ellis's biggest mistakes, by the way. But we'll get we'll get there in a second. Yeah. What, what I would say is, again, if I was playing devil's advocate for, for Short at the start of the season, he would probably would have said, look. Here's a deal: getting thirty odd million from from parachute payments, costing us thirty odd million to run the club. So there, I'll, I'll give you the thirty million to, to run the club, but you've got a team who's just been relegated from the Premier League. Granted, Defoe's gone and Pickford's gone, but you'll you'll Who be the only two decent players in the. But you'll yeah, but, yeah, but you'll, you'll you'll you can't tell me you're not going to be better than the Burton Albions or the, or, the, or the lowest teams in this world is what he would have thought. So he probably was thinking, well, Simon Grace said, hold my beer. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's, what we, that's what we would argue. It's still no justification. Um, and yeah, if Ellis Short had spent some more money, they would have stayed up. Ten million. Uh, I'd like point, if he'd spent ten million quid. I take a point, but there's this. But there's, there's it, nothing between the top and the bottom. But, but no one forced him to yeah. put his money in. In that sense, no one forced him to invest. It's his choice. And you could argue that the squad that went down should have been good enough this season to been. stay up. Goalkeeper, goalkeepers have made a massive impact. Well, we, we've, but we've even, played, even ten million quid, I think we would have been around the playoff point. But anyway, we've played it. We've played a season with. Never more than three strikers available. Um, so at one at points we've got essentially one, two rookie strikers. One's ours, one's not. Since since January, we've got no, we've <coughs> had no goalkeepers. You can't you can't win games if you haven't got a goalkeeper. You haven't got if you haven't got somebody to stop the ball going in the net, and you haven't got somebody to score goals. Then you're not going to win enough games. It's it's basic. Right. It doesn't matter who's in charge. Of listen, the team. listen to me. Segue myself back round to the fantasy. <laughs> We're not saying we were expected to compete. He with signed Vito Manoni. No, no, no. I've got a better one. I've got a better one. Vito Manoni's agent, I believe. No, no. We've um, 
we weren't expecting to be up there with maybe wolves. Speaking of wolves, it's interesting that people are talking about their model now and their their involvement. Or get involved with an agent. With an agent. And get loads of really good players in. Because yeah. Sunderland were the trailblazers for that. And yeah. Defanti was in. The problem was the players he brought weren't very good. So then they were on salaries they weren't going to get elsewhere. They, we pay transfer fees we weren't going to recoup back. That's kind of where this started as well, isn't it? Or this? No, it started. Well, it, under did, Bruce, it didn't. It, it didn't this, help. This, yeah, this is where it started to snowball. Well, this is just, this is just one of many, many mistakes where you can point the finger at Ellis Short and you can look at Defendi and say he's he's culpable. Wolves prove that, that that model could work if you do it correctly. Yes, you get the right. If you get the right people, money in the right connection. You get the right agent. Yeah, a super agent, not like a Again, not fo- one who's going to bring you like Roberge. It's about it's <laughs> a yeah, or Carlson. Carlson. <laughs> yeah, it's it's about but it's about it's, this 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 is where. This is where the model failed with Ellis Shaw because if you cast your mind back, the idea with Ellis was he's the guy who can see a good prospect to invest in, and what he does is he doesn't manage it hands on. He just gets the best people to manage it for him and, and lets them do the job. That isn't a bad model if the people who you bring in know what they're doing or have the club's interests purely at heart. And I can give you a long list of people. Defanti will be one, I think, who. When they woke up in the, in the morning, the, the first thing they thought wasn't, how can I help make Sunderland Football Club better? How can I get a guy on his route to success? I think there's a lot of people who were in it for what they could get out of it and have been very successful at taking you know, a very good living from Sunderland Football Club. Lee Congerton is another one. Well, he, he, he seems to not get mentioned much yet. Oh yeah, yet. But these 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 people specialise in coming in what? and being hailed as something, and well, then. We, no, let's can well, I we, just, can we, I just we, say, Lee we, met, we met him. We did, mm-hmm. and again, like most of them, very mm-hmm. smooth, yeah. silver-tongued guy. And, Success has many fathers. And, 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 he, and when he came, he acknowledged to us when we had the chance to meet him, the club's in a bad financial position. So. Under what started under he Bruce, also and then what, off and all then, the players like Gus Poyet signing yeah, in the January and then, window, and then what snowballed under the family. He acknowledged it, yet. When you're talking about massive financial decisions that went wrong, three of them he made. Mm-hmm. He signed Jack Rodwell and agreed to not put in that relegation clause in the contract that every other player in the squad had. Yeah. He um, he paid £9 million for Ricardo Alvarez and then terminated the loan when he got injured, set him back and, and pretended he and, and said, I'm not paying you anymore of which we got to taken to court and we've had to pay it for a player we don't own. Mm-hmm. He chased... He allowed Gus Poyer to chase Fabio Barini around like a lovesick teenager. Yeah. The season after, he had that great loan period with us where we got to the League Cup final in 2014. And when it became clear Barini didn't want to come back, he continued to chase and chase and chase yep. instead of moving on to other targets. He then brought them back the next season for a different manager who didn't want him yep. when we played in a style where Fabio Barini didn't fit and he paid £15 million for the privilege of that. I don't think it was 10, I think. 10, also. £10 million quid for the privilege of that. There's three well, massive, massive financial clangers made by Lee Conkerton on compounded on top of something he acknowledged himself to us when he came and got the job we're in a mess financially but remember, remember as well that he was lovesick for Barini as well because he was mm-hmm. at Chelsea he had apparent, a link apparently some... apparently Congerton's rocked up at Celtic now yeah, with Brendan Rodgers who we, he used but, to work with but when he rocked up at Celtic you can, you can, I can guarantee that none of those three things that 
Stephen's just no, mentioned. Oh, yeah. We'll be on his CV. I know this guy. Not yet. There'll be there'll be a list of of the various things he did at Sunderland. I'd like to see how he's marketed himself or what he's what he said he was good at. Silver tongue, didn't he? There's the thing with these people. He is something here. Always sticks me out. After I left the Echo and uh, I'd started a stint working for some of the national newspapers and freelance, and one of them asked me to go down to Everton. I went to Everton, covering Everton versus Sunderland game, and on the front page, unusually, there was not a picture of a footballer, there was a picture of someone on the board who died. He was like Mr. Everton, all right? And so I read this, so I read the time before the game, I read this stuff, and the whole thing was about he was a businessman who made lots of money, his passion was Everton. Now, he woke up every day and he thought, how can I make Everton a better club? Not how much money can I get out of it, or what's in this for me, but how can I make this club a better club? And... That's what Sunderland have desperately needed for 10, 15 years. People on the board, in the boardroom, in, in, in Ellis Short's position, in Martin's Bain's position, people on the playing pitch like Bawley used to be, in various, on the great teams where they had a great team spirit, who wake up every morning and think, how can I make this club better and be a success with this club? And all the people you mentioned, Congard and Defantes, and there's been legions of them. You can point to the board as well, and a lot of people now point to Martin Bain. These are people who haven't had it hasn't been their first thought on a morning it's, they've been careerists they've been, and these are all the people who've drifted away and some more will drift away this summer who will have made an, an awful lot of money out of some and football the, club the, and put not a great deal back and that, the worst thing about Martin Bain's situation is that he said this before he doesn't work for Sunderland we we Sunderland we, we say we our us right he doesn't work for it doesn't work for us he doesn't work for Sunderland he works for Ellis Short his job his remit, Ellis Short employed him. He hasn't employed him to make Sunderland better. He's employed him to, to manage the situation that's been created by the, the previous incompetences that we've discussed tonight. And that that's the most cool thing about it. I still to give them all a mention because and, and when, and when, and when, and when, it shouldn't be forgotten. And when, he comes forgotten. Out, and when he comes out this week and makes statements like, oh, we've got to learn from our past mistakes, and then in planning for the future, he lists all of them again. Oh, we're already speaking of free transfers from League One. So we signed a load of free transfers from the championship. In, I'm not. I'm not saying we. That's. That that and then we go. We, we'll go on. To, oh well. Um, you know. Well, we have to have a convers. We'll have to have a conversation if we don't get taken over. The, the World Cup's in about six weeks, and then after that, the transfer window closes before the start of the season. Well, we're, I, we're doing the same as last time. Why isn't he on the phone at seven o'clock after that Burton Albion game? Going, Ellis. What are we going to do if we don't sell the football club? We're not. We're going to be in exactly the same position as as we were at the start of last season. They're not learning from. They come out and say they're learning from mistakes. They're not. They're repeating them and they're doubling down on it. And they've got to get the grip and get got to understand that the football club means everything to people like us. It means everything to us. It means everything to the city. It, it, the amount of money it generates for the city, and they couldn't care less. They, they come out and pretend that they're bothered. They're not bothered. They're bothered about self, it's self-preservation and all these people who've, you know, ran through this football club like bulls in china shops, getting out what they possibly can. I mean, go back to Margaret Byrne, by the way. I'm not. We'll not talk about the legalities of that situation, but I'll tell you what, the fact that she is George Honeyman's agent absolutely infuriates me because when he signed that new deal, she she gets a cut, and she destroyed. She she embarrassed us. What she did, well, and, and it's these people who are coming in. And doing what they're doing, and it's absolutely infuriating. And we, we're the ones who've got to sit here and talk about it. We don't have to, but we do. And then we, we, 
or can you renew your season ticket by April the 24th? Yeah. We're relegated. Like, and, have, and, have, and, you re- have you renewed yet? I, I've renewed. Of course, <laughs> I have renewed. But like, and there'll be fifteen, sixteen. There'll be fifteen. There'll be fifteen, sixteen thousand people in that stadium who've renewed next season, sitting there, and people will be laughing at us because the stadium's empty, and, and we'll get the flat again. It's absolutely ludicrous. That's good. That wrap it up, Grim. Well, all I was saying was that's why there needs to be. It needs to be a summer of, of reflection and change. And and the first thing you want to do, the, f- the first step is to stand up and make your mistakes. Needs to have started, though, like yeah, yeah, it does. Saying, but your yeah. first step is to stand up and admit, and admit your mistakes. And the people who don't admit the mistakes don't admit they're culpable and part of this. And which is, has to be pretty much everybody at the club uh, on the playing side, certainly anything to do with the playing side up to the board level, unless people acknowledge that they're part of the problem. And then they want to change it, like Coleman has this week. Coleman's come out and said, you know, I want to be here next season to try and put it right. Unless that happens, then you're going to get nowhere. If they're going to do one thing this this summer, they should ditch the players who are, who they want to get rid of, who are on the big contracts, who aren't committed to the club, and they should look to try and have a, a revolution in culture. Go to get, Bundesliga too. No, just try, just try, try and get... Martin Bain's got a season ticket for San Pauli, apparently. Yeah, just try, try and get rid of the careers. And if, if Martin Bain is, is part of the problem, then he should go as well. Many, many people are part of the problem and have been part of the problem. And, it, you know, there's been one constant, hasn't there, um, throughout it all. So, we've got two more shows next week. We'll be doing one of them. Thanks I hope, for hope they're happier than this one, Lee. Eh? Well, they won't be. Really? <laughs> Unless we get taken over. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, our first show, show next season, if we've got a new owner... It'll, it'll be backside in Joplin's window to be quite honest it's quite funny. I, can't I, say, I can't see that every time I come on here I've been accused of being negative with good reason obviously but sort of like you know it's uh, you've, you've had to have done, have done me this time right. I think we have thanks for listening Wise Men Say Sun FM Preview Show with the Master 2 1.5 SE Plus for 12590 eye-catching style inside and out